Welcome to Family Stories Podcast, where the stories are told by those who lived them, real stories from real people without the filters of pride, pretense, and appearance. You know, in my life, I've made more than one bad financial decision, probably some that are really bad. And I got a feeling that I'm not alone in that. The person that's uh, with me today, my very special guest, knows a thing or two about finances. He's the founder and uh, managing principal of a financial advisory corporation. He manages hundreds of millions of dollars for clients. He's written books on the subject. He's appeared on CNBC, Fox News, Wall Street Journal Radio many, many times. In his trade, if you want to call it that, he would be considered a master journeyman. He's my friend and my personal financial advisor, Scott Kays, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I've got to say this. I love your voice. I wish I had that voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, they've heard a little bit about you here, but before we get started, tell me something about your family real quick. Probably the most notable thing about my family is I have six kids. And so the first few questions, now, we just Scott, automatic. I, I know you, but I didn't know you had six kids. We have six kids, and the three questions that I we just automatically answer without being asked are, no, we're not Mormon, no, we're not Catholic, and to my knowledge, no, we're not crazy. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but uh, it, it is real funny because that's, that's unusual. And another question we always get is people just assume we're a blended family. And uh, sometimes I'll make a crack like, uh, yeah, these are uh, six children by my first wife. Um, but, yeah, one one marriage and six children. And so how many years has that been? Uh, we have been married for 36 years, and our oldest child turns 32 in uh, less than a month. My goodness. Flies so by. Well, you're not a kid anymore. Jim, I am not a kid. That is, uh, <laughs> and, and you've been practicing your trade. I love to say it that way. It's a profession. But you've been practicing that for how many years now? So I started my company. Uh, we're finishing up 35 years in March. I started it in 1985. And I did it for a year kind of as an apprentice before that. So as far as my career goes, I've done it for about 36 years now. So uh, maybe you've learned a thing or two over that period of time. I hope so, because if not, it's been a lot of years waste. <laughs> <laughs> Many people but, you know, we, think about someone like you, and they may say this, I'll bet that guy has never made a bad financial decision in his life. Would that be true? Uh, not quite. You know, that kind of reminds me of the story this businessman was talking to a younger person, and the younger person was asking him uh, how you know he learned everything, and he said by making good decisions. And he said, "Well, how do you make learn to make good decisions?" And he said, "Through experience." And the younger person said, "Well, how do you get that experience?" And the older person said, "Through bad decisions." <laughs> That's just and about right. It is, you know. Unfortunately, one of the best ways you learn is making bad decisions. And, you know, I think people have to understand this, Jim, and it, it applies to every area of life. I have learned to embrace mistakes. I'm a risk taker. I'm an entrepreneur. And when you take risks, 
by definition, that means at times you're going to fail. Otherwise, you're not really taking risks. And you can't look at failing. You can't be defined by bad decisions because you'll never take risk. And you never move forward if you don't take risk. And sometimes failing is is just getting the experience you need to learn to do it right the next time. And the key is you just don't want to make the same mistake twice. You want to learn from your mistakes. But at my business, we celebrate failures. You know, there's there's wait 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 wait, wait wait a minute. Now you're handling my money. I, I don't want any celebrations of failures here. <laughs> Yeah, we've done a lot of celebrating over your account. <laughs> Thanks just, a lot. Thank you very much. Just kidding. Now, you know, there's there's two mistakes. One is because you didn't do your homework and you messed up. We don't celebrate that. But sometimes you do your homework. You do the best you can. You, you've really, I mean, you've done the research, and it just doesn't go right. But you took a calculated risk, and that's how you learn. And we celebrate those failures. Hey, way to go. You took a calculated risk. You had every reason to do what you did. And we've learned from it. And now we're better because of it. And I will tell you, I think I think we do a good job in a lot of areas at my firm. And I think part of the reason is because over the years, we've made mistakes, but we've learned from those mistakes. And we keep improving and getting better as a result. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a personal failure? Have you ever had something go wrong in your own personal financial Yeah, we have. And I'll tell you what, early in our marriage, Jim, because of these mistakes, this is no exaggeration, we were so poor. If I was out, I wouldn't buy a Coke um, because honestly, couldn't afford it. I was like, you know, I got a mortgage due at the end of the month and things are so tight. That Coke might put us over the edge there. I mean, it was so tight for about the first three to four years of our marriage, and we lived for a while then. So that was due to mistakes. And then once we, I started the business, you know, it just takes a while to build a business. We lived for about a year off my wife's salary of $7.50 an hour managing a jewelry store at the time. So when people come in and they're in dire financial straits, they get a lot of empathy from me because I've certainly been there. I know the pressure. I know how bad it feels. Me too. I've been in a few places like that. In fact, one very quick story about myself, which I'm almost ashamed to tell somebody like you, that back in the early days, I think I was about 30 years old at the time. I'm 70 now. So it's, you know, enough time has passed that I don't beat myself up too badly over it anymore. But I decided to do what you said, be an entrepreneur, go into business, do my own thing. So I went into this little furniture business where we did some manufacturing to make a long story short. And and by the way, this is important for people, I think, to know this. When I did that, although I talked to my wife about it, in my heart, I was not consulting her. I was making this decision on my own. I wanted to do it. I was determined to do this. I'm probably the only person who's ever done that. So anyway, I, I, I jumped into this business, and uh, uh, two years later, it was over. And it took everything, including I had to sell our home. Now, you know, guys can take hits like that a little easier, but a woman's home right. is her home. And so uh, I was expecting uh, fury. I was expecting an, an unbelievable amount of anger, condemnation, and criticism. 
But my sweet little wife never said one negative word for me, although I never really consulted her on starting the business. Instead, she looked at me and said, well, honey, what do you think we should do now? You want to talk about building a strong marriage? Wow. That'll do it right there. That's pretty nice. And I mean, she did nothing but support me. And of course, we recover from that. God, his grace always gets you through some wild things. I'm almost ashamed to say that, but we have been through some of those situations where you don't know what you're going to do. I'm sure you have something you can say about that today to help people. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I tell you that sometimes it just happens. The first report is not the last report. You know, sometimes you make these mistakes. It hurts, but it also builds character to work through it. The only people who don't make mistakes are people who don't do anything. And there are lots of people who don't take risks, who don't do anything, and they feel like their job in life is to sit back and criticize the people who do things and make mistakes. And you just can't listen to those people. Well, I understand that. Now, I I do want to say one thing to the people who are listening. I'm talking uh, to Scott in Atlanta from Colorado Springs. So, And we're doing this through a FaceTime. So from time to time, you might hear just a little discrepancy in his voice. But if you'll be so kind as to bear with us, uh, it's it's just imperfect reception. Our technology is still not flawless. I don't uh, know. Do you? If you were just talking to a young person today, Scott, Someone who's 25 years old, starting out in life, maybe they're thinking about doing a business or something like that. If you were to think of perhaps three things that would be really important for them to consider. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Really trust God uh, to make up for the mistakes. The Bible says that the righteous fall six times, but the Lord picks him up. And so you can depend on that. You can expect that. But I think another thing people have to understand, Jim, is in my world, for most people, and for some people it happens differently, but for most people, the key to financial success is just long-term discipline. It does not happen overnight. It happens one piece at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, a year at a time. And the people who are really successful uh, are those people who... They don't just start off and think they're going to be rich in six months, but they develop a disciplined lifestyle. And over time, that discipline pays off. So what's involved in that discipline then? What do you need to be doing? And there's a few things. Number one, you've got to save money. From every paycheck, you have to save a percentage. Do you put it in a 401k? Whether you put it in an IRA, a savings account? But you have to set aside money, and and it's a discipline because there's always going to be something you want to buy that will keep you from saving money. So you've got to have that discipline, and if you don't, you're going to keep eating uh, the seed that's going to make you wealthy one day. So that's the first issue. Second is you've got to invest wisely. You're not going to reach your financial goals by putting money in CDs at 2%. You've got to use American Free Enterprise, which for the vast majority of people means you have to use the stock market. And for most people, the easiest and the best way to take advantage of American Free Enterprise is to invest in very low-cost mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. Uh, I know you can go to brokerage firms now like Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade. 
You can trade exchange traded funds at no commission. They're super cheap expense ratios. And every paycheck, just make sure you're setting aside money in the stock market. That's where you're going to get your best growth over time. And that's what I would recommend. Well, that, that's that's that, that's one of the things that I, I wish I would have learned earlier in life. Uh, Scott, I, I, sometimes I'm so ashamed that uh, I was one of those guys who was jumping into things and uh, was taking the risks. But I never really planned long term. I guess I had the belief, like so many people have, it's all going to work right. out, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're going to get this done. And and then it took a while to recover. And over time, I've learned the hard way, Scott. Exactly what you're sharing with people today. Over time, if you will just be consistent, that's where things really begin to happen and work well when it comes to finances. If, let me ask you this question. Sometimes you see people and they have a they, their hearts are really broken. They they've lost so much. They've made so many mistakes financially. Uh, they don't know where to turn. If you met somebody like that who had, who had lost most everything, was suffering stress in their marriage and in their family because of finances, where would you tell them to start? What yeah, would you, you know, suggest that's to them? A good question, Dan. I may expand on it just a little bit, but I'll tell you something that I see really frequently. It just kind of breaks my heart. You know, I think in a marriage, it's the way Lisa and I do it is we kind of divvy up responsibilities. And while the other spouse always has kind of veto power, one spouse will be more in charge of one area, another spouse more in charge of another area. But what I see a lot of times, and it's primarily the husband, not always, but primarily, just shows his wife absolutely no respect on financial matters and tends to treat her like she's stupid. And instead of including her in decisions, totally excludes her and makes her feel like he doesn't want her opinion. The reason is he doesn't want her opinion. I think that's just such a mistake. And again, I totally understand sometimes one spouse isn't into finances at all leave the decisions primarily up to the other spouse, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But as long as it's done kind of in agreement and done with a lot of respect, I think you still need to keep your spouse up on what's happening. In our marriage, um, you know, what would probably be pretty obvious is I'm in charge of the investment. But I always keep my wife up on what I'm doing so she knows you know, if we're taking risks in a given area, what risk that we're taking, there's business ideas. I'm always sharing my business ideas with her, things we're doing on the investment side, because even though she's not an investment expert, a lot of times just common sense. It just pays to have another set of eyes looking at things, another opinion. One of the things that, that I found out with Shirley is she may not have uh, because I'm involved in something specifically financial, she might not have the understanding or the knowledge of that specific issue, but an intuition that these women have, and, and it's it's almost, it's unnatural. It's something that's a gift within them, and they seem to just know and feel things. A lot of times, Shirley can't ever give me a reason for what she thinks, but she'll give me an opinion just based on how she feels, and over time, I have learned yeah. to trust that. Because uh, she's been right so many times. If I'd have listened to her in a few other times, it probably would have been. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. 
I do think it is kind of a godly thing, and it's just sometimes just a common sense thing. Sometimes we can get off in our own way of thinking, and kind of our thinking takes us down a rabbit trail that they haven't gone down, and they're just approaching it from a common sense standpoint. And I got to be honest, it's really irritating to me sometimes, Jim, that I've, I've done all this research, <laughs> you know, I know all this homework, and then she comes up with this right answer. You know, it's just, it's irritating. It is not fair. I know, fair. it's not fair. Yeah. It? it happens to me all the time. And the longer I'm married, we've been married 51 years now, the longer I'm married, the more I respect and believe in what she has to say. I'm more dependent upon her now than I have ever been because I have such trust in her opinions and her decisions and how she thinks, those kinds of things. And it makes for a much warmer relationship. But it's real. It's, It's not something you're doing just to make a better relationship. It's real. I mean, our wives have so much to say. And, you know, it's, it's real funny because in our business, um, we've got a great business now. We've got a great culture, a great environment. About eight years ago, it was not that way. I used to hate going into work because it was just such a so much backbiting and so much crap going on. And it kind of reminded me of the story of the the guy who woke up one morning and told his wife, he said, I'm not going to go to church today. And she said, oh, come on, you've got to go to church. He said, I'm not going to go to church. He said, you know, why should, um, or, or she said, why don't you want to go to church? He says, the people are hypocrites. I don't like the people. I don't like the leadership. I don't like the music. The sermons are boring. Give me one good reason I should go to church today. And she said, because you're the pastor. And you know, <laughs> I love not it. that way going to work sometimes. It's like, I don't want to go to work today. People talk bad about people. The people there don't like me. It's, it's a bad culture. And what started turning things around for me was a book that I read. Uh, but the book was something that my wife recommended to me. And it was the beginning of a major turnaround, major turnaround. And it was painful to read the book. It was painful to start reading other books like it because it's like every book that I read basically was saying, you're wrong. You're doing it wrong. You need to change. And it was painful. But it all started with the book that she recommended to me that she had found beneficial. Instead of taking the attitude, you know, I know all this stuff, not you, but she did. She has a good business sense. And um, I've got the credit to turn around with the business really started with her. Well, this, this is really a big issue in families. Finances is at the root of so many breakups, so many divorces. Uh, and if, I, I think if men and women, husbands and wives, would just uh, communicate on this and do exactly what you're saying, inform each other, make decisions together, at least they're in the boat together. And if something goes yeah, wrong, absolutely. they both got there. <laughs> So there's no fingers being pointed or accusations because you're in it together and there's always a yeah. way out. If and don't sit there and try and blame the other person. Accept the blame where you've made a mistake. It's not even so much about, well, whose fault was this? And let's make sure we both understand whose fault it was. It's like you said, we're a team. Let's work together on this. We made a mistake. All right, we're not going to be defined by our mistake. We're going to uh, dig our way out of this. I have seen so many couples. When they work together, get out of really bad situations, it may take some time, but turn it around um, into a very good situation. 
and but it does take working together as a team. It does. It takes time. You know, I, I have discovered that if you make a really bad decision, you know, you could be five years down the yeah. road before that's finally resolved. Uh, not necessarily, but a lot of times yeah. it takes time. Uh, you know, someone once said, time heals. And a friend of mine has written a book called You Have a Story, and he says it's not time that heals, it's perspective. The thing of it is, is it takes yeah. time to get perspective. And so uh, we begin to look back, and you know, it took I can think of a couple of situations where it took Shirley and I four or five years to really recover, get stable, and move to the next step in our life. So uh, it doesn't happen overnight. We have to be patient with one another and allow God to begin to work and bring yeah, us back to where I he wants agree. Us. And you've got to have your satisfaction, your contentment in Jesus, not in your financial situation. Um, again, there's smart things you can do financially. You know, I've been rich. I've been poor. Rich is better. You know, so you want to be improving your situation. But the fact is, that can't be the source of your contentment. I, I think something that gives us patience to work through situations is the fact that Jesus is our contentment. We can be happy with each other, even when our circumstances are less than ideal. And we're working on getting our circumstances to become more ideal. That's true. We do want things to be improved and be better. You know, we live in a materialistic culture. And uh, one of the things that I've I've seen in young people, and I'm sure you see it as well, Scott, is that they want everything and they want it all now today. They want to get married, have a brand new house and new furniture, new cars. They want it all and they want it all right now. And oftentimes they're willing to go deep in debt to attempt to get it. What yeah, do you want to say to somebody like the, that? A biggest enemy to financial success it's the biggest source of stress. I'm not one that says, you know, debt's in. You should never take on debt. You're better off being debt-free. Now, mortgages, I think, are a little bit different situation. But beyond that, you want to get to the point where you're living debt-free because it's just so much more stress-free when you're living debt-free. And that stress can really put a lot of pressure on marriages, on families. Uh, it's just not worth it. You're much better off having less and paying cash for what you get than you are having more and going in debt for it. Well, I agree with that. I, I've been in both places. I've had debt. I've been without debt as we are now. And I'll tell you, not having debt is much nicer and uh, much better. And boy, I tell you what, if I if I'd have known some of that when I was younger, uh, it would have saved I agree with a lot you. of help. I agree. You know, you don't have to have the best car. You no, know you and, you know, you think about it. <laughs> and, uh, how long is a car new? Not very long. And I tell you what I have found. i give an example from our life. So my wife, um, okay, six children. The minivan has been my destiny for many years. And we have, oh, I've probably driven or between the two of us, 12 or 13 minivans in a row. So, yeah, just being honest here, um, went through a midlife crisis, got a red minivan, but that's about it. Um, maybe put, you know, some flame stripes on there or something. But um, my wife, so they did away with the Chrysler town and country, and they came out with a new model of the Pacific to replace it. And the new model had all the great new technology and everything, and my wife really wanted the Pacifica. But she said, hey. I'm willing to wait, not get a new one, wait till we can get one used. And so we found a deal, Jim. We got a car with 
what was it, 16,000 miles on it, had everything she wanted. I mean, all the technology, leather inside, everything. But it was a third off the original price. It had 16,000 miles on it. I mean, those things would drive a quarter million miles easily. So it's virtually new. Um, you know, how long is a car new? It takes a year, let's say, to put 16,000 miles on a car. And now you no longer have a new car. Buy it with a 16, 20,000 miles on it. Let that depreciation already happen. And you can save so much money and it's such a better value. But here's the deal. I mean, Scott, you're doing well financially. I mean, my goodness, you deserve the best, yeah, right. right? I was listening to this young girl talk one day, and uh, she was having a lot of financial trouble. And she's sitting at Starbucks, and she's drinking a $5 cup of coffee. And uh, I said, you know, there's five bucks right there you could save if you didn't have that cup of coffee. And she says, well, I get a Starbucks yes. every day because I and, deserve you know, it. here's the thing people have to realize. It's all choices that we make. You can make that choice to spend the $5 every day, 25 bucks a week, 100 bucks a month. You can make that. You're the one that bears responsibility for your choices. And I'm not going to tell you that's a wrong choice. But for most people, just be aware you're giving up something else for that. You've got to make the choice where your priorities are. And I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing. You know, that's fine if she wants to make that choice. For most people, it will cost them something somewhere else. What I would probably do in that situation is, let's say you're spending 25 bucks a week uh, on lattes and fancy drinks. I would probably get a very nice espresso machine. Maybe that costs six or 700 bucks, and it'll pay for itself within a year. Make your own drinks at home, and then after that, you know, it's virtually free, and you can save a lot of money that way. You can, and, you know, I've been... As I've talked to uh, younger people most recently, I tell them, think of what you're spending on an annual basis. If you're spending $5 a day, five days a week on Starbucks, it's only 20 bucks a week, 80 bucks a month. But in a year, right. it's about $1,000. And if you apply that to so many different little things that we take for granted, it comes up to thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year. But we never think about it because we only think, for that right. moment, well, it's only $3, it's only $5, it's only this or that. But it's those very small things that make the difference between having something at the end of the month or the end right. of the year. And not you know, if it. you can afford it, absolutely spend it. Again, there's no judgment on what's right or wrong. But most people don't have the money to say, and yet you're right, they're spending $1,000 a year on Starbucks. Yeah, it is, it is amazing, isn't it, how that happens. And I, I have to admit, I've been guilty of some of those very things, so I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just suggesting to, to people to think through some of these things, and you might be surprised at how much yeah. money you actually have and how much would be available for you to do something with it, to actually invest it uh, with, yeah, with somebody like you. Absolutely, I agree with you. Well, just to wrap this up for today, you know, Scott has written a couple of books, and he wrote a book called Achieving Your Financial Potential, and a second one, Five Key Lessons from Top Money Managers. Scott, if someone wanted to get a hold of you or get one of your yeah, books. Yeah, probably the best way to get a book is just go on Amazon. You can order both of the books off of Amazon. 
Um, if you want to get in touch with me, we're located in Atlanta, Georgia. Our phone number is 770-951-9001. They can visit our website at scottkays.com and find lots of information about our company there. Well, one of the things that I've loved about you, Scott, is that uh, you're not a get-rich-quick schemer. I mean, you've put me into a portfolio that is very conservative at my age, and you've told me many times, Jim, you know, you might take a loss now and then. Uh, we have an overall strategy to get this done and to do it right, and long term, you're going to be ahead. And I'm so thankful for that. I never get up in the morning worried about what's going to happen. Good. Scott. I uh, thank appreciate you so much. That. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, and remember this. You, too, have a story, and it's probably better than you think. I would love to hear it. If you would like to tell me your story, and perhaps your story will be the one that changes somebody's life. If you'd like to tell me your story, please get a hold of me. You can contact me at mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com or go to my website, mygrandpajimmy.com. With it. Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I appreciate thank you. It's been a pleasure.